Welcome again, everyone, to the Two Toms Talk and Travel podcast. We are the official travel experts here in Podcast Town. And if you don't believe us, just ask the mayor. Ready to get down to business and talk some travel, Tom? And let's do it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Brusso, Sensational Beach Vacations in beautiful Pewaukee, Wisconsin. And I am here with the one and only Mr. Tom Carnes, the owner of Lamakia Travel in Kenosha, Wisconsin. How about that? The Wisconsin is the center of the travel universe. Exactly. I love it. Southeastern Wisconsin, this is where travel was born and meant to be. We are two Toms talking travel, so why don't we do that? Mr. Carnes, how's your world today? You know what, Tom? It's July something or another. What is it, 14? July 14th? It is. Holy cow. It's July 14th, and I am coming to you live from my home because... I am re-quarantined. My daughter has been confirmed with COVID-19. So she is quarantined in the basement. We've had a little exposure to her. We're all getting tested. We've locked her in the cellar like I used to do when she was 15 or 16 years old and the boys would show up. So she knows the area very well. But July 14th, the sun is out. It's a beautiful day. And I'm ready to talk some travel because there is not a whole lot of it happening right now. Well, one thing that is happening is Disney World opened this week. Did you hear about that? How exciting is it that Disney World opened? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were saying that that moves the range a little bit when Disney starts opening. And it's not the same Disney. And the question remains, is it worth going? Do you want to go? And I've done a lot of research. We've talked to a few people. And my answer to that would be is, listen, never gone to Disney World before? Don't go now. It's not the time to go. If you're a Disney fanatic, which there's many of them out there and you've been many, many times, this is a great feather in your cap, man. You can say, hey, I was at Disney when it was at 25, 30% occupancy. I was there when you couldn't hug the characters. I was there when the parades and the fireworks were not working. But I was also there when there were no crowds and all the rides are operational and everything is operating almost normal. Yeah, I've seen a lot of articles and a lot of feedback. And it sounds like from overall experience, and as you said, setting the right expectations, it sounds like things so far have been going pretty smoothly there. There's 100% compliance with masks. There's very short waits for lots of the rides. So people are enjoying that. And, And generally, it sounds like from the standpoint of how things are working, the travelers having that Disney experience, and you're right, not what it might have been before, but in terms of how it's operating, sounds like lots of the rides are open restaurants open, and so forth. A couple of things that I I think would be inconvenient. We talked about not being able to hug the uh, characters and whatnot, but they're still there to see. I mean, what good is it to go to Disney and not be able to see Mickey Mouse or Frozen? I mean, so what they do is they have areas roped off, I believe, like at the stairs at the front of Cinderella's castle. They have the evil princesses and stepsisters. They all come out on the stairs. So you get to see all the bad guys and all the villainess. Also with things like Mickey's, you got Mickey's Friends Cavalcade. So they don't have the big elaborate parades, but what they're doing is throughout the day, they're having the characters come through the roads and they're mini parades. So you get to see the characters and you know what? I haven't brought my kids to Disney multiple times. Nothing lights a kid up like being able to see Minnie Mouse or Mickey Mouse or, or Donald Duck and Cinderella. I mean, come on, it's something magical. So I couldn't imagine not being able to go down to Disney and see that. Yep. So it's different. It's a great experience still. But again, I'm going to go back and my list is if you've never been to Disney, I wouldn't even start planning it for the next year. Gotcha. All right, good. And then there's some other travel news. We always try to keep up on that. I know that there's some things you're passionate about that you're always looking over. You guys do a lot of Europe business and really uh, great expertise in Europe. So what's happening over there? 
interesting, real interesting article I just read, and I'm not sure how you pull it off or who does it, but Notre Dame was burned down last year. What a horrible, I mean, what a tremendous loss oh gosh, I mean, yeah. for such a great iconic European iconic landmark. Um, I've been in it two or three times. I've been to Paris three times and it truly is an amazing building and the history and the location. But what's interesting is that they've been fighting back and forth about, should we spend money on renovating it? How should we renovate it? Should we bring it up to date? Should we make it more modern? Should we make it this, that, and the other thing? And I know the government and private investors were battling back and forth about it for quite a long time. And I just read an article yesterday that says, hey, you know what? They've decided, and again, I don't know if it's gone through the governmental approvals, but from the article I read, it sounds like they've decided to restore it to its natural and original form, which means they're going to be using toxic lead in it. The things that they did back in the centuries ago that they did to build it, they're going to put that back in there. So wow. I'm hoping it's going to be a little bit of... Yeah, right. Think about that. A variation of it, it's going to be a little bit oh, safer. That's authenticity right there. That You know what? Good for them. You know, they step up authenticity, but it'll be fun to watch. I'm sure we'll have a few tree huggers that are going to have an issue with it and whatnot. But I'm just excited that they're going to rebuild it to its original state because it is absolutely one of my favorite landmarks throughout Europe. Yep. Absolutely. For sure. So we have that and lots of hotels and resorts continue to open up. Our friends at Iberostar Star open up 45 hotels, including the Ramaya, Nairi, Jamaica. So we got that going. I think I've been to all three of them. I think I've been to uh, Iberostar Star in all three of those places. Uh, I don't think I've been to the Jamaica one. I'm doing a lot of business with it. Iberostar Star is just, it's such a great organization. They operate a hotel for everybody. And it's interesting that I got some VIP clients, top-notch, high stated. They like the most expensive. They like the nicest resorts. And they have like young 20-year-old, and it's probably 10 to 12 of them going. They got 20-year-old kids and grandkids that come. And a lot of times these stuffy resorts are too boring. There's nothing going on at night for the younger crowd. So we've always had this kind of battle back and forth from the different resorts we would try and they'd come back and say it's a little bit better. But two years ago, and this is a great recommendation for anybody that's thinking of multi-generational travel in Iberostar is in the Riviera Maya, they got the complex. I'll call it the complex, Iberostar Paracio. And you got everything from the Iberostar Beach, which is the least expensive low-end property, all the way to the Iberostar Grand, which is this top-shelf, beautiful, luxury, I mean, just absolutely... It's like Bellagio in Mexico, basically. Perfect example. Exactly. Everything you need. And about three years ago, I said to him, I said, listen, we can put the group at the Grand. And that will give the younger kids access to the nightclub, to the pools, to the, all the other resorts, everything from the Beach Del Mar to Maya, they get access to that. And this third year in a row that they absolutely, they go back every year because it fits everybody's needs. The kids stay out late at the nightclub. They have a great time. If they don't want to be at the quiet pool at the Grand, they have access and uh, features at the other properties so they can go eat and hang out there. And then it's a simple walk between properties. If you stay at the Grand, it's a much more expensive experience. People from the other properties cannot come by you, but you can go and use all the amenities of the other one. And one of my favorite amenities there is the golf course, the PB Dye Junior Golf Course. It's right yeah, there. Yeah, I love that. Yes. I've hit a lot of balls in the water there. Yeah, and usually that in the jungle, you don't go in looking for them there because yeah. there's, uh, there's, there's yeah, some there's critters a, you yeah, don't want to run into. There's wild animals. Right, there's yes, critters definitely. you don't want to run into. But, but Ibero Star is one of those companies that I absolutely love and have supported for many, many years yeah, because they got too. something yeah. for everybody. 
Yeah, so definitely glad to see that. So every one of our episodes here, there's always something new. So hopefully people keep coming back for that. You know, just some of the travel updates and allowing us to talk through it with you. And a little bit later in the show, we're going to have our good friend Sarah Q from Apple Leisure Group on with us. And she's going to kind of share some things that are happening there. And I know that's going to be really informational there. Sarah is absolutely one of the best people in the industry. I mean, at that level, her commitment to travel agents and the consumers is unwavering. I mean, seriously, it's I'm very excited to talk to Sarah today. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So lots going on. And one of the things I just saw is that, and we'll talk about this a bit more too, is that Cancun is opening another terminal just because of the volume of travelers to that area. They have a lot of uh, resort options there. They have some easy social distancing. They have really good safety protocols. So Cancun is one of the ones where travelers seem to be attracted to. So just some news there. And then along those same lines, Tom and I have talked about this, but in terms of flying and the experience of flying, we have to stop and give some credit to the flight attendants because can you imagine what it's like to be a flight attendant right now and all the responsibilities there? And I just happen to be looking and little known fact, I actually back in a long, long time ago when I could fit into a flight attendant uniform, I actually flew as a flight attendant for America West for a while. So I got firsthand experience there, but they shared some of their pet peeves or some of the things that they wish that travelers really would not do. And as you can imagine, it's a pretty long and humorous list of the things that flight attendants have to put up with. So I thought, Tom, maybe you and I could talk about that for you a know, second and just, and just I, give our, our flight attendant friends some love oh, and man. maybe help them out for the future. I will tell you what, I read that article as well. And having a few thousand miles under my belt for the past couple of years, I got to give them a lot of respect. You have to be the most patient person in the world to take that job. And I love it when somebody says, she was so rude. And you look around and you see the expectations of the passenger. And you're like, God, you're a piece of caca, man. Come on, lighten up a little bit. You're <laughs> yeah. not hiring her or him or them as your maid for the next four hours. That's not how it works. Exactly. I, I think the one that stuck out at me the most was the snapping of your fingers. Oh, yeah. We don't snap. Oh, come on. Yeah. Nobody likes that when you're like, it's like they're not your servant, right? Right. And that's, yeah. it's just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I remember when I was flying too, one of the things, the indiscriminate use of the call button, the call button is really meant to be for not emergency situations, but it's meant to be for something important. You know, it's not just to ask a question or to hand them your empty coffee cup or whatever. So because when that light comes on, even if they're in takeoff or final descent, the flight attendants want to respond to those call buttons sure. because it could be an emergency. So that was one of mine that caught my attention. And then also too, anything to do with feet, because it appears that people on flights take a lot of liberties with their feet. Oh my God. They're barefoot. People clipping their toenails. They're putting their feet on the walls or on the bare feet on the seat in front of them. And so I'm just saying, people, let's be a little bit more yeah, respectful. Come on. We, we're, respectful we're better than that, on folks. The feet. We are better than <laughs> exactly. that, no doubt. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting. It, you know what? The one that really sets me off too, besides the snapping of the fingers, I got it, is as, and again, this goes back to, not experience, maybe people haven't flown enough to know. So a lot of times I give them the benefit of the doubt, oh, they don't know, they have never been on plane. But I, a lot of times I think it's BS. Is as you're taxiing, when you're taxiing on the runway and that guy's got to get up and go to the bathroom. Are you right. kidding? Seriously. You now need to, and all of a sudden you see the pilot, the steward, everyone's on the phone. Uh, okay, please be seated. We're going to take off, unclick. And I've seen that more times than I can imagine. And it just drives me crazy. I mean, yeah. come on. 
or the hopping up at the exact minute that the plane gets to the gate and when you're in row 32, yeah. <laughs> sort of fighting to get into the bins and come on, I just relax, take a breath and let the deplaning take its course until it's my turn. As humans, we are definitely not at our best when we fly. Yeah, it's kind of thing as people just sort of lose a little bit of their percentage of their IQ points at some point. But yeah. but yeah, so I just thought it was interesting when I saw that. There was a few other ones, like the one where they call it galley yoga. So <laughs> the galley is the area in the front of the plane and the back of the plane where refreshments. And, and so people go back there and they're stretching and they're doing the downward dog and yeah. they want to get up from their seat. And so... Yeah, so flight attendants are back there. Yeah, you've done galley yoga. I have, man. I've traveled where I get up to the galley and all. I, I don't go over crazy. I just pull my knees up and stretch and kind of more for. Yeah. But I'm not holding on three or anything like that. You know what I mean? I am, exactly. Uh, back exactly. To my so, so yeah. So people, let's be good to each other. Let's right. And if anybody to wants to read, and let's be good to the flight attendants. If anybody wants to read about it, it was in Travel and Leisure. So if you want to check it out yourself, there's some great stories. Everything yeah. from snapping your fingers to on-plane porn. So it's yeah. Travel and They're Leisure, like, flight attendants share the 25 things. So if you want to check it out, I would recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you want to figure out what not to do the next time you fly. So I thought that was... We always you know, like to inject a little bit of humor in what we're talking about. So Speaking so of I flying, um, Delta CEO Ed Bastian just came out today again to remind everybody, hey, Delta and Southwest are uh, keeping the mid-seats open between, I believe, now and the end of September. That's their commitment. United American are going full load, doing whatever they trying to sell as much as they can. I got a lot of respect for Delta and Southwest right now. But it's interesting, Ed Bastian said, hey, we're enforcing masks. You know what? We're doing this for you. To We're going to leave a space between you. That's a commitment to us. That's money out of our pocket. And by God, if you can't just wear a mask, is what we ask. You know what? We're not going to let you on the plane. So... I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it's kind of a, should be a give and take on that. And I think it's only fitting that you wear your damn mask on the plane if they're asking you to. It's not a point to start making an argument about your civil liberties. You don't have to get on that yeah. plane if you don't want to. Yeah, I agree. I think where we're at right now with everything that, I mean, that's the reality of it and that's how we're going to get out of it. So I think that's some good advice or some good uh policy requirements from our friends at Delta Airlines. So one little bit of news I had here as well, real quick, is that statistically, everybody that's listening, if you're thinking of booking a trip, you're not alone. All right. Well, you know what it's time for now, Tom? What's that? Is it time for our guest spot? Yep, it is. Who is flying this plane? Well, today we are very lucky to have a very special guest, great industry friend with us from Apple Leisure Group. We'd like to welcome to Two Toms Talk and Travel, our good friend, Sarah Q. Sarah, how are you today? Sarah, woo! Great, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You are most welcome. Yeah, Sarah's an executive at Apple Leisure Group. She is a senior director responsible for lots of the day-to-day operations there, education, many other important things that are required at Appalachia Group. And in case the folks out there don't know, can you give us just a little overview of what Appalachia but, but Group... Sarah, can you help me with my... I got these problems with my Apple phone. Is that <laughs> part of your No, I cannot. What? No, I usually call my 18-year-old no. babysitter for that. <laughs> yeah, no iTunes support here. <laughs> no, no. You said Apple Group. Yeah, so Appalachia Group is one of the largest, if not the largest, vacation packaging companies we have great brands under our umbrella. 
The biggest ones I'd say the most well-known are Apple Vacations, FunJet Vacations, Travel Impressions, and then we have United Vacations, Southwest Airlines Vacations, and Blue Sky Tours. So we are all encompassing. We pretty much can take you anywhere you want to go in this world. Wow, that's a lot. I think a lot of us are familiar, even if you're not a travel industry buff, a lot of us have booked over the years of FunJet Vacations package, Apple Vacations package, Mexico and the Caribbean. So I think a lot Mm -hmm. of consumers out there are very familiar with those two brands. Let me just say something about that. I'd like to say, I think a lot of the consumers out there may have seen, obviously have booked with it, but a lot of consumers, I think, might have seen the bag tags at the airport when they're waiting for their suitcases to come around. They may see the posters, the billboards. I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, one, take pride in doing things on their own and feel they're smarter than the travel agent, the tour operator, and all various things. And there might be a little level of, I don't even want to say distrust, or just some consumers feel that, you know what, they're going to charge me too much. They're going to charge more because they got these billboards and these fancy bag tags. Talk a little bit, Sarah, really about the realities of a tour operator brand to speaking to somebody that thinks they're just going to charge me more money. Yeah, well, I would say anything looks great online. And that's what I even tell a lot of my friends and family. And having that support and the trust of not only the tour operator, which basically, we have people at our company that have been to the hotels, they look at the hotels, they look at the food, they have the food, they look at what kind of liquor is being sold, they look at the beach, they experience for themselves. And all the ratings come from us, from our people, which is great because it's firsthand knowledge it's experience, and then it's confidence, right? So when we have our travel agents, which 100% the consumer should go to their travel agent to really have that travel agent. Again, they've been there. They've felt it. They've touched it. They can see it. Everything looks great online. That travel agent can tell their customer, I am selling you something that not only I am endorsing, but also this company is endorsing. And especially what's going on in this world today, it's just so important that we didn't leave one person in any destination that had to get out. So when that happened in Europe, we got every single person that booked through all of our companies. And United Vacations is a huge, huge Europe producer. Every single person that was there, we were able to get them on a plane home. When we're looking at one of the other biggest issues we had was Dominican Republic, when all of a sudden, one day, our airports are closing. Well, we sent flights down, empty planes, to get everybody home that needed to get home. And so not only are we doing that for our customers, But then also, yes, this has been a really hard time. We're trying to answer all of our phones. But a lot of the online companies, they aren't even answering their phones. They're not even replying to emails. So people have money out there or they're stuck in destination. And so it's not just that part of why would you use that? It's the reasons behind it. And then also is that we're always going to take care of that customer with the travel agent together. We're going to make sure that that customer is taken care of. And if you look at the pricing, it's not that different. That's so I think that's point. the perception it, people have. Right. We're trying to perception kill today. That's what we want to do, perception right. kill, because right. all the details and examples you just laid out were fantastic. And again, a defensive consumer is going to be like, wow, they've all been to the destinations. They got a the call center. Mm-hmm. They got the ability to get... Wow, there's got to be a cost to that. So again, it kind of lays on the naive consumer saying, wow, with all this back end and all this, it's got to be more expensive. But again, like you said, it's not. And the reason it's not is because of volume, sheer volume. I mean, the person that can spend 22 hours a week searching for their $500 vacation to Mexico, it might not be our customer. You know, I mean, that person, they're going to find the exclusion, they're going to find something better, and then they're going to hold it over our head. But 
like you said, when it comes down to the pandemic or when it comes down to situation, which let's face it, there's weather situations, government crisis. I mean, it, something can always be happening. And those people are definitely left on their own. I mean, how many people, Tom and I had this conversation, podcast number one, Costco, want to get a hold of them? Good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The relationship right. with your travel agent, we, and I can't speak for all of them, but I can speak for at least two of them that are on this podcast. We answered every call. People may not have liked what they heard at the beginning, but we stuck with it. We stayed with them and we made them very happy at the mm-hmm. end. So that perception of what the value you guys bring to it, it's based on volume. And that volume it can is. be a vacation saver. Well, and we have people that actually negotiate a lot of our airline contracts, our hotel contracts, exactly what you're saying, based on volume. So we're getting lower rates to package together instead of doing it separately. And so because we're getting those lower rates, then we can get it to our distributors, our travel agents, we can get it to our consumers. And at the end of the day, it's very comparable pricing where you have that company to back you up. Another biggest thing I would say is different than us is we have an extension of our company in almost all of our largest destinations. So a branch of our company is there where we can get a hold of them 24 hours. We can help. And it's the confidence. And yes. it's the being comfortable and having knowing that travel agent and that company will help if anything is needed, which we hope it's not. But if it is, we're just looking at the last couple of months here in this world, we will be there. And we've always, it's, always taken care of our customers. It's the needed part is important if something happens that they need. But the thing that all the people that don't necessarily need that support mm-hmm. who ultimately receive it and benefit from it because it's not just transfers, it's excursions, it's special events. It's all the different things that are the points that make your vacation or this special trip different. And it's interesting mm-hmm. as a travel agent trying to sell that to a consumer saying, listen, you got Lomas, you got Lomas, you got, you got Amstar. 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 You got Amstar in destination. These are the people that are going to get you safely to the ruins. They're going to get you to Duns River Falls. It's such a great selling piece for a travel agent to give a consumer the peace of mind of that. Tom, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no problem. And I think, Sarah, you brought up a really good point that Tom and I have talked about in past episodes is really moving forward for consumers. It's all about confidence and it's all about the mm-hmm. traveler experience. Are the airports ready? Are the airlines ready? Are the resorts ready? And I know that you guys have been working on this. And I heard about the Trip Trust program. And I thought that that was really a very good initiative that gets our consumers and gets our agents in a better position from a confidence standpoint, because they can see that some work's being done behind the scenes by a company as large as Appalachia Group that can really kind of have some leverage and can have some accountability. So as far as the Trip Trust program is concerned, can you tell us just a little bit about conceptually how that's structured? Sure. So we're starting a new program and hotels will actually have a Trip Trust logo next to them if they're part of it. These are for hotels and resorts that are complying with a third-party health and sanitation protocol. So it's not just them saying, hey, everything's wiped down, you're good. It's bringing in a third party that is an expert at sanitation and all the health protocols we need to do to really mitigate that spread of COVID. So we are logoing them on our website so everybody can see, all of our travel agent partners will be able to see this hotel is doing what it needs to do. Another thing we're doing and we're really seeing in the trends is going back to those excursions and the transfers. A lot of people want to do it privately now, right? They don't want to be with other people. So we're really looking into adding 
different excursions and transfers that all the protocols will happen in between all the vehicles will be wiped down. Everything will happen, but there would be something that you could just go with your family privately with a guide or in the car privately without being in a bus or with more families that you might not know. So we're really looking at what people want and then trying to adapt to what we can do. And also, I mean, like I said, the health and sanitation standards were really setting high. It's got to be taken seriously. And we want people to go on vacation and enjoy themselves, but yet not fluff off on that part of it either. Yeah, I agree. I think taking those efforts and having that initiative in place is great for us as agents because now we have something to refer to. We can share that information with consumers, which is only going to build our confidence and ensure that we can get back to traveling as soon as possible Mm -hmm. in a very safe way. So, So Sarah, any other news or notes you want to share with us? Yeah, I would say our domestic travel is doing really well. A lot of people know us for the international, but our domestic travel is doing well. Vegas is doing really, really well. People are going, people are enjoying themselves. There's still a lot to do to explore the United States itself. And we're working really closely with our partners, our airline partners, our hotel partners to get some really good deals in place so that people, if they do want to go, they can get a good rate, have a good experience, and still stay close to home if that's what they choose to do. Of course, we have all our other destinations open. Some of them are doing some different things where you have to take a COVID test before you fly within a certain amount of time, or perhaps when you land, you get your temperature taken, you know, all of that kind of stuff. We have that all documented and our travel agency partners have that for all of the destinations. But in general, people are still traveling, just a little bit different. So we want to be there for all of those steps of the way. Awesome. Hey, Tom, any other questions for Sarah before we let her go? Sarah, my first question, or my last question as we head out of here is vacation. You need a vacation, I'm sure, just like the rest of us in the industry. Where are you Mm going to go? What are you going to hit when you first go? The family trip or the romantic getaway? Where are you going to go and what are you going to do? Well, I have two things in the works. So we're getting married on October 24th, and I'm hoping to take our kids on a little like, hey, October 26th on Monday, let's take them to Riviera Maya for a couple of nights, celebrate the wedding and enjoy ourselves with some downtime together. And then honeymoon is hopefully Formula One race in Monaco in May of 2021 and see a little France and Italy. Wow. Sounds awesome. Nice. Been to Monaco and France and Italy. I bet I didn't get the Formula race, but man, Monaco is amazing. So that's great. That's it. Tom, where are you looking to go? I love to go to Riviera Maya myself. That's my second home. I think we've talked about that before. I said, Sarah, can you hook this guy up with a deal, please? <laughs> I think so. I think so. So yeah, that'd be <laughs> my goal. Yeah, I think we all at this point could use a little time by the pool and or the swim up bar for sure. So well, Sarah Q, thank you so very much taking time out of your busy day to come on to uh, two times talk and travel. And we really appreciate all the good information that you shared and much, much appreciated. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. You got it. Thank you, Sarah. Good seeing you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thanks so much. That was awesome, Tom, having Sarah Q on with us today. A lot of good info from Apple Leisure Group. One of the things you talked about and one of the things you brought up is where are you going next? And I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that. But one of the things I always wondered, you're super well-traveled. You've been all over the world many, many times. What's your hidden gem? Like, Where's the place that's really magic for you? All right. I don't want people to think I'm like this crazy, crazy. I haven't been around the world. I've been to a lot of places, many of them multiple times. I have not been to Africa and I haven't been to the Asia area, but I've done enough in Europe and Central US and whatnot. But my hidden gem, you know what? I'm a big fan of Italy. Absolutely love Italy. Been there six or seven times. And 
one of my favorite areas is Tuscany, the Tuscany region, or just outside of Florence. And as far as foodie destinations, man, that is one of the top foodie destinations as rated by Travel and Leisure, as a matter of fact, and Tom Carnes. Got to have that Tom Carnes endorsement. That's for sure. What about you, Tom? What about yours? There's so many, but as you were talking, I do think if for people that love Europe and haven't been to Europe, I thought Florence itself was really magical. If I was in a position where I could go somewhere and spend the summer or spend a couple months, I think I would just go to Florence and hang out in all the piazzas and drink coffee and enjoy all the restaurants and maybe a little wine culture that day. Yeah, some wine. So I love that. But I think when I look back on all the places that I've been and I haven't been there for quite some time, I thought Ireland really was a very magical place. Just the whole experience of the beauty of it. I did spend a fair amount of time in the pubs and the Irish people obviously love their pub time, but they're so super nice and they love talking to Americans and guests. They're very conversational. They're very welcoming. And I just, as I look back on all my travels, I just have such a good place in my heart for Ireland because I got a little Irish in me. There you go. So I got to, I actually took my mom when we went and- Oh, no way. You know, and she has a lot of Irish heritage. And so we really had an awesome time. So I would say Ireland, the Emerald Isle would be my spot. You know, what's interesting. I'm two destinations that you just talked about. Interesting enough, I have a hidden gem. I have a gem resort or lodge in both destinations. So first in Ireland, I've only been to Ireland once and I was there for four days for a wedding. And there's a property called Castle Martyr. Castle Martyr is just outside of Cork and I attended a wedding there and it's a horse ranch. It's got a golf course. It's got an archery. It's got the lawn bowling. The lodge and the resort is built around, I believe, the 16th century castle or 17th century small castle. And you have the main part of the building still there, which houses the restaurant, which houses some of the rooms, which houses the bar. And then the rooms are all more modern. Absolutely beautiful. I will tell you, I've traveled as we said, many places. Castle Martyr is without a doubt one of the most unique properties I've ever seen. It was interesting as on the golf course and one of the holes overlooks the courtyard behind the castle. And it was a Saturday afternoon. And on one part of the lawn was the archery, the archery set up with three targets of hay. And you could see the people teaching the kids how to shoot archery there. To the left of it was a lawn bowling, like in the old days, you look like, and there were some people dressed in the times of 16 or 17, 1800s. And then on the other side was a horse-drawn carriage running through the gardens. And it was one of the most beautiful scenes I'd ever seen it. I literally thought I was back 200 years ago experiencing it. And then I chipped my shot into the woods and I started cussing like a sailor. So that moment was over pretty quick. So Castle Martyr, and it's just outside of Cork. Now, in, right outside of Florence, an hour south of Florence, just south of Siena, is a property called Donatella Cinelli Colombini. Donatella Cinelli Colombini. And it is a 16th century... Easy for you to say. Right. Well, I stayed there for a week. It's a 16th century working vineyard and farm. So you're staying in these redone apartments. You're staying at the 106 rooms in the whole place between apartments, villas, and just room rooms, and they're scattered throughout. But you're on the vineyard, it has a pool, they make the wine there, you're in the Tuscan countryside, and it's not one of these really expensive, elaborate places. It's just one of these most magical places I've ever been to. And because it's an agriotourismo, I never say that right, 
which means they grow and serve mostly their own food there. It's also on a farm. You have some of the most authentic meals. One of the best boar pastas I've ever had. That's B-O-A-R, boar pasta, in my life on a Parpadelli noodle and one of their great wines to go with it. That is my other magical gem. Donatella Cinelli yeah. Colombini. So good choices on here. Wow, there's a lot of good travel nuggets on Two Tom's Talk and Travel today. Certainly. That's what we do all day, every day. Yeah, no doubt. And I think what we're talking about too is all these different travel experiences. And one of the things about Ireland I didn't say, but that just came to my mind as I remember the magical things that happen when you travel. And one of the reasons why we all got to work hard to get back to that place where we can travel again. I remember one of the highlights of the Ireland trip was the small lodge that we're at on the coast in Ireland. And it was Irish holiday. And the whole town sort of marched up the hill to the lodge we're at into the bar. And the bar had a piano. And my Irish mom got to hear an Irish guy sing Danny Boy on the piano with about 20 or 30 of the local people there singing at the top of their lungs. And that was really, really cool. That was like a raising the hair on your arms type of experience. Yeah, that's why you Irish travel. Mom. Yes, oh my absolutely. God. That's what it's all about. You can't get that at home. You can't get that on the travel channel. No. You have to be there and you have to experience that firsthand. As we go over the next few months, we're all working very hard and we hope that more and more people can get out there and have those travel experiences because as we well know, man, that's what life is all about, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to my final thought or parting thought is you hope for those moments that you just described when you take a vacation, even if it's as a simple trip as Mexico, you hope for those moments. And when you have them, they're great. But when they exceed your expectations, and like you said, the hair standing up on your arms and you just staring at something saying, I am never, ever going to forget this moment because it's one of the greatest moments of my life. That That is why you travel. Exactly. That's why you put up with things like standing in a customs line for an hour. That is why. Right. Wearing a mask. Wear social distancing. I mean, that's why you do it because those moments are so magical and so wonderful that it's worth the slight inconveniences that you go through for them. That's why I love what I do. Yep. Absolutely, Tom. Well, Mr. Carnes, it is a wrap on episode three of Two Tom's Talk and Travel. As always, I enjoyed my time with you and we will see you on the other side. We will see you there for sure. Be good. Yep. Episode four coming up soon, everybody. Thank you all very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to our thoughts about travel. Thank you to Sarah Q from Appalachia Group for being with us today. And we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.